All right. Hello, everybody. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's me, DJ Crystal Clear, back with Original Versus Cover. This is episode five. Five Alive. And uh, I just recorded episode four. There will be a little time in between these two, but I still must give you a mea culpa right off the bat, because if you didn't listen to the last episode, but you should, um, I'll repeat it. I had emergency surgery a couple of weeks ago. I had some gallstones and I had to have my gallbladder removed. Your gallbladder is one of those, one of the two least important organs in your body. It runs neck and neck with the appendix for almost doing nothing until it tries to kill you. It has a lot of gall. It has. <laughs> Can you put in a rim shot there? <laughs> hey, Gene. Hey, Gene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> gallbladder had a lot of gall, literally almost killing me, which uh, I don't know if I gave you all that detail, Paul, but when they did, after they took it out and did a biopsy of it, uh, part of the reason why I was in for so long was because I I think I told you it was infected. I had an infection. So when they showed me the pictures of it, it was really infected and there was a lot of pus coming out of it. And the surgeon's like, yeah, you know, a couple more days, it would have killed you. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Are you... Yeah, well, a couple more days of sitting around the fucking hospital was waiting, waiting for them to get their shit together. together. Yeah. Like, and I said, is that why you wanted to ambulance me to Bellevue? Because it was that bad? And then you got the guy, you know, you came back and he's like, yeah, well, you know, it was progressing with your antibiotics, but, you know, when we took it out, it was really, really bad. Like, you could have gone... even realized realize, took it out. Yeah, you could have gone septic. And I was like... Well, thanks, Doc. <laughs> and I'm really glad you didn't tell me that until now, because, you know, I would have had to have hide that from my sister and my friends. And, you know, I've only recently been thinking about how crazy this was. And, you know, I thought I had food poisoning and then turned out this piece of shit almost killed me. You were basically dying. I was basically dying. Not as bad as <clears throat> my friend uh, Paul in Philadelphia, who I think I told you for four years he was sick. And it was because his gallbladder died inside of him. And I didn't tell you this. I didn't know that could even happen. I didn't know it could happen either. But for four years, he thought he had gastrointestinal problems because he was nauseous and couldn't eat right and da-da-da-da-da. He's about my height, but, you know, if he lost 15 pounds, he would wither away like tall, thin dude. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so his gallbladder died inside of him. And it was right on top of your uh, small intestine. So it laid there for four years and became gangrenous. As, as it would when as you have a dead something inside, inside of you. And the only reason that they finally figured it out, literally days before it killed him, was because he had this, like, you know, he was on a sick jag, like vomiting, vomiting, vomiting. And his girlfriend forced him to go to the hospital and... Then she was like, it's something, it's da-da-da-da-da, you got, like, how are you not seeing this, blah-blah-blah-blah. And she was like Shirley MacLaine in terms of endearment, get him that shot! You know, like, look at his shit! And they gave a better CT scan and then figured out what it was. And then he had surgery, 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 surgery surgery speaking, and he had surgery an hour later. Wow. And yeah, and he, and he would literally probably die the next the day. Next day, he would have been dead. Yeah, crazy, totally crazy. So here's your warning, kids out there in TV land and podcast land. If you feel like you had food poisoning and you're barfing, and you've got some stabbing pains in your lower right flank, and if the pain travels up your back and over your right shoulder, where you think you're having a stroke but you're not having a stroke, and you check your temperature and you don't have a fever so you know it's not your appendix quivering, it's your gallbladder, go to the hospital and get it yanked out or whatever. Um, It was... But don't go to the hospital you went to. Yeah, don't, if you... (laughs) Heads up, yo! If you're here in New York City, don't go to Harlem Hospital. And I don't care who hears it, but it was the worst experience in a hospital I've ever had in my life. And I've been in hospitals a couple of times. I've had, I had knee surgery, I've broken a lot of bones, but that shit, 
I haven't even begun to write about it. Just wait until I write about the experience because it was fucking ridiculous. So, so yeah, so that's why I'm a little foggy because uh, post anesthesia, it affects people differently. And I hope to get all of my brain back by the time my birthday rolls around in a couple of weeks. So fingers crossed. So <clears throat> this is episode five. And <laughs> you want to leave all that in there? Back to, yeah, I do. Okay. Um, back to the music. Um, because people had noticed that I, you know, had been missing. I had been MIA, so I'm filling you in. So the first song for episode five is a huge hit from the 80s. You could not not hear it every five minutes. It didn't matter whether it was MTV or VH1 or, you know, the radio. It was on television. It was every fucking where. It's a song by a Mr. Prince Rogers Nelson, and it's called Purple Rain. That's all I need to say about that, because everybody's heard it. I don't care how old you are, where you live in, what cave you're in. Everybody's heard that goddamn song, right? You would think. Well, you would think. You you, would think. uh Uh-oh, who's never heard it? Oh, no, no, it isn't that anybody hasn't heard that, but... No. You know, there's there's a thing on YouTube where there's always people doing reaction videos to songs. People, oh. You know, I'm, this is the first time I'm ever hearing, you know, Metallica or whatever. Right. And there's a major, um, there is a major sort of scene or trend, maybe, I don't know what the word you want to use, of uh, black people who have oh. channels where they listen to white, white music, music for yeah. the first time. I've, most of the ones I've seen are kids reacting. But I see a lot of adults in it. Adults. But actually, that, now that I think about it, that was uh, no point in saying that because I, I'm forgetting that this was not this is not white music he was reacting to, and this is the whole point of what I'm saying. I saw yesterday on YouTube, and I didn't click on it because I was like, fuck this guy, <laughs> a clip of some guy claiming to be hearing and reacting for the first time to Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Oh. And, and I, all, I didn't even watch the video. I just went to the comments and said, right, like you've never heard that before. Give me a break. <laughs> really? Yeah, what are you going to do next time? Tell me it's the first time you're seeing a tree. How old is this guy? <laughs> he, he has was, to be in his 30s, right? I don't know how old the guy was. Oh. He was he was an adult, but a young adult. But I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're five. You've heard you've that heard song. You've heard that song. It's been in commercials a million times. It's been in movies. You can't. Yeah, everybody knows that fucking song. So sorry, yeah, that's quite a digression, but that's what I thought of when you asked me, <laughs> when you mentioned people hearing Purple Rain. It's like, well... <laughs> well, I guess maybe there are some people there, There's going to be it. somebody on there claiming they haven't. But I still can't believe that... I mean, where would... Um, unless you are in a cult, or, you know, you're Hasidic, or... Yeah. No, this was a regular guy. Your parents have dude. sheltered you. You've been living in the... What was that stupid movie? Um, where Brendan Fraser, his uh, his parents kept it. It was Sissy Spacek and, uh, you know, I need more cowbell. What's his name? Uh, the actor. Oh, shit. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, thank you. They were living in a fallout shelter from the 50s and kept him down there. And then one day he, like, escaped the the thing and then it was like oh this is 1980 or whenever the film was shot oh how that that dude if that happens to you commit suicide wait you 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 were around in the 50s go to a fall shelter and you miss the 60s and 70s, 70s and then you come back in the 80s yeah jesus if, if it was you you would have jumped in front of a train but um i can't remember the name of the movie but that was the gist of it so uh, if it's that kind of crazy situation where you are cut off from everything and on top of that, you're Tommy being deaf, dumb, and blind. I don't know how you could have missed Purple Rain in any way, shape, or form. The movie, the song, the soundtrack, all of it. you It's just impossible. But anyhow, I digress. The cover is... <laughs> I stumbled upon it one day <clears throat> by accident. I really wish I could remember how. But uh, it's a country version of the song. Oh, boy. Done by Dwight Yoakam. Dwight Yoakam? And he did it in 2016. And it was his way of paying tribute to Prince because it was right when he died. Okay. Which is, you know, that's nice. So, uh, it's... I can't say... I mean, it's a great cover, and it's a terrible cover at the same time. 
because it falls in line with the criteria of how amazingly different it is from the original. I mean, totally different than the original, and not just because it's a country dude doing it. Like, he took some liberties with the arrangement that makes it even more different, because it's not just like a straight-up you know, slow dirge the way that the original is. It's country, so it's a little, it's mildly upbeat. Um, Same melody and lyrics, but it's bluegrass. He did a bluegrass version of it. Mm. Not even country, it's bluegrass. A mandolin, a dobro, a fiddle, twangy guitars. You really have to listen to it (laughs) to believe that it exists because it's just so crazily different. So I really like that it's so crazily different, but at the same time, I, it's just like, this is, it's wrong. There's something wrong about it. So, <clears throat> you know, who wins? Uh, I love bluegrass and country, but this cover does not work for me. The original has been burned in my brain since the opening day of the movie. Um, I listened to Dwight Yoakam's version five times in a row while I was preparing for this episode. But it loses. And sidebar, another country singer covered Purple Rain, Leanne Rhymes. And I have not listened to that version, and I'm not going to torture you by making you listen to it. (laughs) Just know that she covered it as well. Um, It's just, yeah, torturous. Uh, so yeah, who wins? I mean, it's Prince. He wins, obviously. I'm sh- I'm shocked. Yeah, I can't. Duh. I mean, duh, Crystal. Well, I'm gonna give uh, my vote to Prince too, without having even heard the other one. Yeah, <laughs> but and when you listen to it, you're gonna be, you know, like what the fuck is this? It's really crazy. Like he. He puts some more space into it, like it stops and starts strange. It's just so not heartbreaking like the original. Um, so yeah, now you get to listen to both of them back to back. But I suggest that you listen to the entire song, both of them, when you get a chance, because you really need to. I never meant to call you when you Never meant to call you in pain. That's an ambulance you guys hear. In case you've never heard, in case one, you've never heard one before. And we're in, you know, the rough and tumble. What neighborhood are we in? Bedstuy. Bedstuy, do or die. So there are ambulances flying by here every five seconds because, you know, it's T U F F tough here. Right. 
It's just, just ask Billy Joel. It's <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. Ask Billy Joel. It's Crooklyn. Ask Barry Manilow. Ask Bernadette Peters. They lived here in the rough and tumble part of Crooklyn. He lived right up. Yeah, yeah. Just 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 north of us here is the the southern part of Williamsburg, Williamsburg, the Hasidic part of Williamsburg, and that's where Barry Manilow is from. From, yep, that's right. Well, he went to uh, the high school that I taught at, which was back in the day called Eastern District, and uh, then it turned into um, the Grand Street Campus. Don't get me started with that shit. All right, so the second song I'm going to talk about is Moonshadow. <laughs> and I was telling Paul on my way here, I couldn't stop, I couldn't turn it off in my head because I was listening to Cat Stevens' greatest hits, uh, which is really good except for one clunker. Um, so this was done by Cat Stevens. It was released in the United States in 1971, released in the UK in 1970. Uh, it's a nice little folk song about some fantastical things happening. It's got great hooks, a repeatable chorus, nice harmonies. It's a really good campfire song. For some reason, I remember singing this in Girl Scout camp during a campfire in 70, like, five or something. Um, lots of acoustic guitars, group harmonies. It sounds like he's got, like, ten people in the studio with him singing the chorus toward the end, the last time they do it. Um, and we also had to learn this in music class. That's the other thing. And uh, I played the flute in elementary school in band, this does not, it doesn't work with woodwinds for some reason. You might think that it would, but it doesn't. Uh, because, you know, despite how many times I asked to learn how to play guitar, they would never teach us how to play guitar, which stunk. But had I learned how to play guitar back then, I probably wouldn't be here now. But anyway, it's cute. It's joyful. It makes absolutely no sense. If you really listen to the lyrics, it makes no sense. It's a song talking about if I lost my teeth, if I lost my hands, if I lost my arms. Oh, well, I'd just deal with it. <laughs> you know, if I lost my mouth, well, I just wouldn't talk. If I lost my hands, well, I just wouldn't work. You know, if I lost my legs, well, I just wouldn't walk. And he's very happy about it all. It's very strange. So, the cover was done by LaBelle in 1972. Have you heard that, Paul? No, that I have not heard. All right. So, as expected, Miss Patty and the girls turned this cute little folk song into a funky, slinky jam. The opening piano riffs take us to church immediately, instantaneously, and then the vocal harmonies build up to a crescendo and bust out, and then you're dancing, you're grooving, you're hip-shaking, throwing it down. The long version is 9 minutes and 24 seconds. It's way too long. It's interesting, but the last 5 minutes or so, it's just the repeated theme, and then they're just kind of, the girls are like vamping, where Patty's like, ooh! You know, if I lost my mouth, I can't talk. Isn't that right? Ooh, ha, 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 yeah, da, da, da. And it just turns into like they're hanging out, talking about stuff, which is kind of annoying. But she does take the time out to give the musician some. So if you ever hear the term, give the drummer some, that means give him a solo. So she calls out the names of every musician. And so, you know, there's a guitar solo, there's a drum solo, there's a this solo, there's a that solo, which is nice. I kind of like that. Um, I wish it was shorter. I'm sure there is a shorter version. I just don't remember what it is. Well, was it a single? Um, it was not a single. So there's no, there's no seven-inch edit. There's, there's no seven-inch edit. Yeah, I wish... If there had been, I'm sure it would have done really well. Um, I like the cover. It's pretty hot. But... Mm, see? I'm having a problem with this. Because initially I, I said... LaBelle wins on the criteria of they completely make it their own. When you listen to these two back to back, which you will in a minute, it's just like literally night and day. And you would wonder how LaBelle would come up with this because it's such a kooky song. But at the same time, Cat Stevens, I mean, it's Cat Stevens. He was fucking great. I love that song. So maybe it's a tie for me. I don't know. Mm. Tie. Yeah. 
had a lot of ties to these two episodes. But yeah, yeah. Um, I but I think it's because of just this. Somebody steals the song. It's so incredibly different. But there's just something that's holding it back from being magnificent. Right. Well, I think it's that edit. They're they're an edit away from magnificence. Yes. They are five or six minute edit away from Magnificence, and I wish they had done it. But anyway, check them out now and you'll see what I mean. Dig it. Cause I'm being followed by a moon shadow. Moon shadow, moon shadow. Leaping and hopping on a moon shadow. Moon shadow, moon shadow. And if I ever lose my hands, lose my plow. Lose my land Oh, if I ever lose my hands Oh, I won't have to work no more And if I ever lose my eyes If my colors all run dry Yes, if I ever lose my eyes Oh, I won't have to cry no I don't think that it got fantastic airplay. The original I'm talking about. Uh, the cover got way more airplay than the original. Um, the song is called Love is the Answer. Done by Utopia in 1977. That's Todd Rundgren, for the people who don't know. The Runt. And the cover was done by England Dan and John Ford Coley in 1979. Oh, you know what? That's right. The original by Todd Rundgren and Utopia, it never even charted. I don't even, well, I don't know if it was a single, was it? Um, what I was reading about it, it, it seemed like it did have a B-side, but, uh... I mean, it may have been a single, I think I just don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, what I read on Wikipedia, it was like it didn't even chart. Yeah, because, I I mean, it's definitely an album track, but, uh... Yeah. uh, As far as it being issued as a single... Maybe it was. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But um, it's a mid-tempo song that is textbook Todd Rundgren. His impassioned slash pain vocal stands out from the jump. Um, Love is the answer for everything, especially the lonely humans who will die, the humans who ignore the homeless, the planet is dying, Uh, you know, everything is sad and miserable. This was 1977. Todd was very prolific, I think. Uh, there's a gospelish chorus with a million voices, which is a million overdubs of his voice, as he would do. Uh, crescendos to him screaming with, you know, just telling people, like, get with it, humans! Shit is fucked up! Uh, the song really makes you think. And it reminds me of... Uh, it falls in the line of Mercy, Mercy Me, where people were doing these songs about the world where it's not a song about like let's get happy or let's make love or let's get stoned but it's like wake up people it's the 70s and things are shitty civil rights leaders being murdered the manson family um blackouts gas shortage gerald ford is the president falling down every five minutes 
Um, it was pretty bad shit. So that's what makes me think of Mercy, Mercy Me. Mm-hmm. Now, the ED and JFC cover, John Ford Coley. England Dan? England Dan and John Ford Coley. Now, one of these two dudes, I forget which, I think it's England Dan, is related to... Uh, Steely? No. <laughs> it's related to Steely Dan. No, no. Um, all right. Which one of Seals and Crofts was the blonde-haired one? Was that Seals? Oh, you know, actually, I don't really know. Okay. So I remember reading, so when I was researching something else, that England Dan is related to him. Is Like, he's either his brother or his cousin or something Yeah, you like know that. what? I think it was... No, well, Dan, it wouldn't be, I don't know, probably not Dan Seals, because isn't Seals' first name Dan? I think, oh, maybe it is, yeah, Dan Seals. Yeah, yeah, it is. I don't know. Why don't you tell us, listeners? Yeah, you guys know, you right guys know all about Seals and Crofts. Crofts, come on, somebody, send me a text message or Facebook or something and yeah. let me know. Clear it up for me, because I'm too lazy to look it up on Google right now. I'm in the middle of a podcast. So, uh, the EDJFC version, it's the quintessential 70s soft rock. Um, it's the same arrangement, but more lush, because it's got strings, it's got synths, it's very creamy, it's very dreamy, and... As is a lot of adult contemporary 70s shit like this, it has a fucking sax solo in it. Wow, yeah! Because you can't escape them. Um, Now, their vocals are kind of listless, but excited at the same time. Like, they're trying to get into it more? I don't know. I don't know what they were trying to do. Um, They were shouting the chorus toward the end. To, I guess, mimic Todd Rundgren's like, you know, but you, you're England Dan and John Ford Coley, and it's not really going to work. So it's kind of adult contemporary gone wild, in a sense. Um, this song, amazingly enough, but it still makes sense, has been covered by a gaggle of Christian artists. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Which is not surprising, and... Since Todd never said anything about that, you know, because he's making money, what the fuck does he care? Uh, you know, it, I can't say that it's an, a religious song. It's not a gospel song. But yes, it fits that vein. And I can just imagine these uptight white contemporary Christian people singing it all stuffy and bad. Um, I didn't have the guts to listen to any of those covers. So <laughs> now I, I want to, uh, as you had said about the... Uh, Mariah Carey version of um, Def Leppard. You were like, I'm morbidly curious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's morbid curiosity. Yes, I have a morbid curiosity to listen to some of those covers, and I will eventually. So, um, who wins for me? It's Todd Rundgren. Period. As I think you would expect of me, yes. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> because I'm, because uh, I'm, because I'm gonna, because I'm gonna bring you the unexpected. <gasps> what? What do you? I do? I actually prefer the the England Steely Dan and John Ford Coley version. <laughs> oh my god! And it's not because it's better. <laughs> it's just because you know nostalgia. I just remember it when I was a kid. I didn't even know that was a cover until you know however many years ago. I mean, I just certainly didn't know it then. And I and I just looked it up, folks. That was indeed a Utopia single that did not chart. Oh, so no, yeah, okay. But right. but I guess since it didn't chart, I wasn't hearing it In on the radio. radio. Yeah, I only knew the 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 England Dan and John Ford Coley version. And uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a warm and fuzzy, you know, I'm nine again sort of thing about yeah. that version. Mm-hmm. But I mean, of course, if I put you know sentimentality and that kind of bullshit aside, of course the Todd version is going to be better. Yeah. So. Depends on which road you want to go down. Right. I, I mean, I do appreciate some, you know, AOR. Uh, don't get me wrong. Now the kids today call it Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock. This is a perfect Yacht Rock song. Uh, and I hate that terminology because it makes it so white. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is super white. Uh, yeah. So listen to both and please listen again. Listen to the entire song. Um, if I haven't said this before, 
All the songs that I'm talking about in my podcast are available on iTunes to listen to. So, if you have iTunes, you're in like Flint. Otherwise, go do what the kids of today do and go to YouTube, because it'll be on there. And then, you know, whatever algorithm bullshit they have on there, it'll play a bunch of other things that are close to it in the wheelhouse. But you need to check both of these out. Todd, I love you, Todd. You're a kook. You're a kooky kook, but I love you. So, dig... Confusion. That's what the world is today. Hey, hey. It was done originally by The Temptations in 1970, and then it was covered by Love and Rockets in 1985. You. <laughs> Paul just instantaneously gave the thumbs down because. I'm already putting in my vote. <laughs> because, as we know, you know, as Paul has said, the 80s weren't kind to anyone. <laughs> That's my all-time favorite quote of yours about the 80s <laughs> <laughs> and your disdain for it. <clears throat> All right, so the original, I think, is the first, quote, psychedelic soul song ever recorded, I think. Um, three minutes and 50 seconds of all the world's problems, once again. Uh, and the lyric, eve of destruction, tax deduction, you know, people moving out, people moving in. Why? Because of the color of their skin. And the band played on. So eve of destruction, uh, you know, nuclear war, people moving out and in because of the color of their skin. There's white flight in um, the cities all over the United States where all the white folks ran to the suburbs. And the band played on, meaning a metaphor for how who runs the country and they just keep doing whatever the fuck they want and the rest of us are suffering. Is that going on right now? I, mean, I know, it's going to say it's such a period piece because things have changed so much. So much, it sounds familiar. Like, I keep telling these people, are like, you know, they're looking in crystal balls predicting the future. It's really yeah. crazy. It's really funny how uh, optimistic people were back then because of Kennedy and King and all that, and then it all just went to shit. But anyway... Uh, this is really great because the groove is slamming, done by the Funk Brothers, laden with a mighty horn section, harmonica, soaring and glorious vocals. It really takes you back in time. Uh, the arrangement is really cool, and it's, psych it's psychedelic, psychedelic. Uh, 
one of the reasons why I love saying that word, not the main reason. If you really know me, if you're my friend, if you're really my friend, you know why I say psychedelic. And I'll leave it at that. It's because you're a big acid head. Because I, I eat a lot of acid and mushrooms. No, that's not true. Uh, but if you really know me, you know why I say psychedelic. Anyhow, the Love and Rockets cover. Now, do you know? did you ever hear any Love and Rockets back then, Paul? Or are you just hating this outright? <laughs> well, I've heard that. Oh, you have heard. So uh, my hate, my hate for that track is based on actually having heard the listen track. Listen to it, okay? So, yeah. so for those of you who don't know Love and Rockets, <clears throat> they were a new wave punk rock indie goth sort of thing band uh, back in the early '80s. And when I first heard it, uh, it was 1985 when I was finishing college or graduating college that year uh i was living in philadelphia and one of the clubs my friends and i went to was called the east side club which was a new wave punk rock dance club which is really funny because all like from sunday to friday it was full of us punk rock weirdos with our mohawks and you know dancing around to susie and the banshees and shit like that and then on saturday nights it became an r&b dance place where the black contemporary station power 99 fm took over this club (laughs) so it's like all these black folks in there with their you know clothes from the mall dancing to the hits of the day 1985 you know contemporary r&b stuff while they're like posters of, <laughs> you know, Love and Rockets and Susie and the Banshees and Iggy Pop and all this stuff in the room. And I remember the first time I went there with my boyfriend Keith at the time, and we were like, I knew the place and he didn't know about it. And I was like, well, prepare yourself because it's not going to look like what you think it is. And we went in there and he was like, what the fuck? I mean, he knew what kind of music I was into, but it was just like, it was funny to see all these folks like with their arms up, like they didn't want to get near the walls because they thought they'd be poisoned by these weirdo punk rockers. It was hysterical. All the while you're listening to, how did you know? Cause I never told. <laughs> I got a crush on you. Oh, it was, um, the big hit of the time was, uh, let the music play. Like, oh. the DJ would play that five times in a row. People couldn't get enough of that song. So, yeah, that was that. But anyway, um, back to Love and Rockets. So I was kind of stupefied the first time I heard this because, once again, it's a cover of a black song, quote-unquote, and, you know, these young white guys are doing it from England, no less, and I had to explain to everybody I knew that it was The Temptations. Love and Rockets did not write it. Um, so it's guitars, it's drums, it's synths, because it's 1985, remember? Uh, The mix to me is a little bit muddy. It's bombastic at the same time, especially the machine gun, you know, before the chorus. Um, Alternative, post-punk, punk, little psychedelic kind of a mess. And people actually danced to this music, quote unquote. I did not because you really can't dance to it unless you just sort of like shuffle from side to side. So in that weird, gothic, no-hip-having, no-hip-swinging way. It was very, you know, white-ish, I guess. Um, Who wins? Obviously, is The Temptations. It's fucking amazing. There's no topping it. The end. Well. (laughs) Yes. There's one thing that has has gone unmentioned here. Uh Uh-oh, what did I forget? There was a Tina Turner version. Oh yes, yes. Her, her, her early in her early post Ike period. Yes, she did do a cover of it. Yeah. Um, did you like it? Oh, it was okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not that big on that song generally, but if I mean yeah, if I had to take a, a version, it would be the original one. Yeah. And I would certainly take Tina's version over Love and Rockets. The Rockets, right? Well, I mean, I chose these two because they're so vastly different. Um, but yeah, the Temptations still win. It doesn't matter. But you know, I'm not a Love and Rockets hater. I love them because. I was a punk rocker weirdo, but sorry, Temptations win. The end. Listen to it now. People moving out, people moving in. Why? Because of the color of the skin. Run, 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 but you sure can't hide. And I, boy, and I, a tooth for a tooth. Vote for me, and I'll set you free. Rap on, brother. Rap on. 
teacher And it seems nobody's interested in learning But the teacher so much time talking about my medical woes but anyhow this song was very popular in the 70s um i think it was released as a single i'm not certain it was done by a one james osterberg you know him as iggy pop and the song is called the passenger uh it was from lust for life album right mm-hmm. and it's a really cool song to meander to. It's a really good song to drive long distances while listening to or going for a long walk because it's a little lilting and bippity-boppy back-and-forth kind of thing. Um, it's mid-tempo, and it's... What is that I'm smelling? Is there a barbecue going on out there? Yeah, yeah, with wow. this... Uh, it's, an, it's, it's finally May around here, guys. Yeah. Uh, t- uh, oh, yeah, the weather just broke here in New York. Was, yeah, and... Uh, my neighbors, they're, they're taking full advantage immediately. <laughs> yes. It's, first I smelled lighter fluid. <laughs> well, yeah, lighter fluid. Now I'm getting charcoal, and now I'm really hungry. <clears throat> All right, so let me finish this. <laughs> so um, the song is about being a nomadic outcast, a weirdo who will never fit in. Iggy wrote it about traveling slash touring with David Bowie. So talk about a pair of grade-A misfits. You can't get any more misfitty than these two. It was 1977, he was in Berlin with David, and I think you know the rest of that tune. For those of you who don't know what happened then, uh, well, hmm, it was, uh, a lot of drugs. (laughs) That's pretty much it, in a a nutshell. In a nutshell. All of it. They were really fucked up, and, uh, yeah, they were just meandering around Berlin and doing a lot of drugs, and having a good time, presumably. presumably. Um, Sort of tragic, but anyway, it it was good. It was, you know, it was the time. So the song starts out with a jaunty guitar lick, a rattling cowbell, and a basic 2-4 drum beat. Uh, The arrangement is very spare. It uh, sounds like it was recorded in a tin can, because it's kind of echoey, reverby-ish. And now that I think about it, even though he was probably not involved, maybe he was... But I'm going to call Tony Visconti and find out how they recorded this because of the way that it sounds. Um, Before, I think I told you this, Paul, that time, uh, hanging out with him that day, that he told me about all the mic techniques that he used to use Mm -hmm. for David's stuff, like having five microphones three feet away from each other and down a hallway and all this stuff, which was really cool. And this sounds like some of those type of shenanigans going on. Well, it's around that period. This would be 77. Yeah. To me. Um, So it sounds like he was using one of those gigantic old school mics from the 50s. And the chorus, you know, is la, 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 la. I mean, you got to sing to it because it's a lot of la-las. Now, the Susie and the Banshees cover, which is basically just her and Budgie, 
they do the same rhythm. Budgie, Budgie is her boyfriend, husband, man in the band. And for those of you who don't know what Budgie means, it's British slang for a bird. Okay, I thought you meant the metal band. Budgie. Oh, <laughs> no, I forgot about that. Yeah, that. That I would like to hear. Well, actually, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Would. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, her and Budgie, they've been tight forever. Um, so they do the same rhythm. It's pretty much the same speed. The only difference is that the arrangement is more full. Guitars, a horn section, a loud one of those drum tambourines. Is that the technical term for it, a drum tambourine? When there's a tambourine on top of a drum, you know, and you hit the drum. Oh, and it, well, yeah, it's a hi-hat. It's like a, a tambourine that's... Uh, on a hi-hat stand. Yeah. Yeah. Mounted on a hi-hat. There you go. So uh, it's that, because every time he hits it, it's like, you know, there's a tambourine. You can tell it's not somebody handling a tambourine. It's with the drum. It's part of the kit, yeah. Yeah, it's on the kit. So uh, it kind of, it's not irritating, but it's weird. And Susie Sue sounds just like herself, like she always does. Uh, like... Um, like Madeline Kahn in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> and, <coughs> excuse me, I love Susan Banshee, so don't get mad at me. Get mad at me. Get mad at I Paul. I can't stand them. <laughs> <coughs> You've heard this version? Uh, yeah. <coughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, they put it out in 1987, so it was 10 years later. And uh, what the horns remind me of is Mel Torme. Like he, like he could have done a version of this in Vegas. Like I could see him on, on at the Sands on stage because the horns like they're very jazzy, swingy. It's very weird. <clears throat> so this version is kind of like meh to me. It's not that great. So who wins? Obviously, it's Mr. Osterberg because. Of everything that I said, and uh, when you listen to it, you will agree with me. And not just because you hate Susan the Banshees like Paul. <laughs> Though you should. Though you should, yes. So check them out now! <laughs>
So that is the end of episode uh, five. Yeah. <laughs> the one after the last one. Brain fog, I'm telling you. I'm fucked up. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so that's the end of episode five. Um, it is May, so you'll hear both episodes this month, even though May is like half over, but it was because I was in, as the British say, in hospital. Not in the hospital, but in hospital. In hospital. And I've talked to every British person I know. I've asked them, why do you guys say that? And nobody could give me a clear answer. Well, actually, the real answer to that is, why do we say the hospital? Because they're the originators. Mm. It's, it's, their, it's their language, not ours. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it isn't why do they say arse, it's why do we say ass. ass. yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Paul, now my brain is blown. <laughs> Good questions. All right, so to all my teabag friends out there, give me a shout and let me know, because I need to know. Yeah, why is that? Is because Americans are so arrogant and we feel like we can do anything. And once we let, once, not we, not me, but once they left there and set up shop over here, it's like, fuck them and their arse. Well, they probably, yeah, there was probably a certain amount of like wanting to separate yourself from all of it. The, the thing that you, well, quite literally separated yourself from. And uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess so. All right, there's your history lesson for the day, kids. So thank you for listening. <clears throat> thank everybody for their comments and sending me suggestions for the show. Um, I have, that might be my next episode, is songs that people recommended to me so I can give it, I will give you a shout out. Don't worry about that. But I, I, I've got a decent list of those, at least six or seven of them now. Um, so I appreciate you listening and leaving comments and being fun and friendly. Thank you once again to Dr. Paul Bertolino for sitting in, uh, making it, making it better, a tandem thing. It's good. So it's not just me in a vacuum. And, uh, is there anything else that I need to touch on? Eat your greens. Eat your, <laughs> eat, eat your vegetables, Aton. <laughs> Does he listen to my podcast? I wonder. Uh, you know, I don't know. Mm. Has he commented? I, I don't think he has. That may mean that he doesn't listen he doesn't. because you know there's uh, no way Tan would not be commenting. Uh, yeah, that's true. All right, well, he he may it may have gotten past him. He may want to probably. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to alert him to this, especially when this episode goes up. Shout out to you, Atan, who does not eat vegetables. I don't know how you don't do it. You're a crazy man, but we love you anyway. So thanks everybody. Until next time, happy motoring. Bye.